Well, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thanks. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Our text, as you could see, is verse 24 specifically. Let me drop back to verse 22 and begin reading there. 1 Corinthians 15. Reading the text at verse, starting at verse 22. For in Adam, everyone dies. So also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to him. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. So our text is specifically verse 24 here. Then comes the end when Christ delivers the kingdom to God the Father. There are certain clear purposes to the death of Christ. We could say reasons for his sacrifice. And one main biblical reason for the death of Christ is the establishment of his kingdom. And this relates to missions because it's through missions that Jesus establishes his worldwide kingdom. And one primary goal of missions is for Christ's kingdom to be established throughout the earth. Now, I use the term missions. We could use the term the Great Commission or world evangelism. The purpose of the sermon this morning is to show how the mission the end, and the kingdom are closely related and to spur us on as Christ's people to do this mission so that the end comes and then Christ delivers or hands over the kingdom to God the Father. So this will be the focus of the sermon this morning, looking at this topic, the mission, the end, and the kingdom from our text here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, specifically verse 24. Then comes the end when Christ hands over the kingdom to God the Father. So let's begin by considering this point, the end. We're familiar with this term. At the end of every book, it says the end. And here in our text, in verse 24, in the context of the resurrection, okay, 1 Corinthians 15 is the theme of the resurrection. And going back to verse 23, each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, right? Christ has been raised from the dead as the firstfruits, and then his people will follow. That's why it says here, following that, then at his coming, when Christ returns, those who belong to Christ. He has been raised. When he returns, we, his people, will be raised with him in that order. Then verse 24, then comes the end, when Christ hands over the kingdom to God the Father. There is an end. That's the simple, one of the simple truths of Christianity. This age, this world, are coming to an end. 1 Corinthians 15, we certainly see that. That's one of the major themes of this chapter. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, we see this major theme of the end. The end of time, the end of this age. The book of 2 Peter focuses on this theme, the end. And certainly the book of the Revelation. The end is coming. 
And this age will one day be over. And a new age will be ushered in. As Christians, we believe this. As Christians, this is our hope. Right? We do not want to be stuck in this cursed age, this cursed world. Our hope is that the end will come and a new creation will come with that. Jesus' people must believe this fact and live accordingly. That the end is coming. The end is imminent. The end is coming soon. We see this all throughout the book, uh, all throughout the New Testament. Revelation 22, it says, uh, Jesus says, I am coming soon. And as we see here in 1 Corinthians 15, that's what the end is referring to. As Christ comes back, the end comes. So specifically referring to the return of Christ that will usher in the end. Because this age or this world is soon ending, Christians should not consider this our home, but focus on the mission. That's one of the ways we should respond to this clear truth. The end is coming. This world is not our home. This age is not where we will live forever. So we should not consider it our home, but focus on the mission that Christ has given us as his people. Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he gave his church one specific work, one task, one mission to bring the gospel to the nations. And so we should focus on that. Jesus' followers should pray that the end would come. Revelation chapter 22, come, Lord Jesus. That's every Christian's desire. That should be our prayer. That's one of the things I pray for often even in my own life. Jesus, come back quickly. Let the work of the gospel be completed. Build your church and return for your people. We should pray for that. As it says in Revelation chapter 22, that Christ would return and even come back quickly. And God's people should be, as it says in Second Peter chapter 3, hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. It's an interesting way it puts it. As we consider the end, as we consider, consider the return of Christ, Peter says in chapter 3 of his second epistle, hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Christians should cause his return to come more quickly. We can consider it that way. Well, how can Christ's people hasten his return or hasten the coming of the day of the Lord? As Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, preaching the gospel throughout the entire world. This is the mission that Jesus has given his people. It's very clear. All throughout the gospels, the teaching of Christ as he focuses on the Great Commission. He says it often. His desire is for his gospel to go to the nations, to go to the world. And it's not just a theme in the gospels. It's a theme in the Old Testament as well. God's purpose was never that the gospel or salvation be only for the Jew, but for the nations, even for the world. Our scripture reading this morning, the call to worship, had that point in it as well. This is the mission Christ has given to his people. So this is how the end and missions are closely related. Jesus' followers do, we could say it that way, we do missions until the end. We're engaged in the mission until his return. Or said another way, the end will come when the mission is completed. That's how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus relates, or we could say he connects 
the end and missions, not only in chapter 24 of Matthew, but also in chapter 28, the well-known passage that deals directly with the Great Commission. We all know the passage at the end of that book in chapter 28, where he connects the end and missions, where his promised presence to the end is directly related to the mission. Right? Jesus says, all authority is mine. He gives his people the task, the mission. Go to the nations and make disciples, and I'll be with you until the end. So he connects there the mission with the end. We are to be engaged in this work until Christ returns. And then as we read here in our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, then the end will come when Christ returns, and he will deliver the kingdom to God the Father. And this brings us to our second point. And the main point I want to consider this morning is the kingdom. Look at our text again here. One short verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Then comes the end. And notice what happens when the end comes, when Christ returns. And that's the context here of 1 Corinthians 15. Christ returns, the end comes, and then he will do something. He will hand over this kingdom to God the Father. The kingdom. We as Christians should often consider the kingdom. There is a kingdom. There's a true kingdom. There's a kingdom of God. And that's the kingdom that Christians should be considering. That's the theme of the book of the Revelation. Read through the last book of the Bible, Revelation, in this theme of the kingdom is all throughout those 22 chapters. As we finish up the canon, as we finish up reading the Bible of the last book, the Revelation, This theme is almost on every page. The kingdom of God. Christians should be very aware of this, believe this fact, and live accordingly in light of this kingdom. As Jesus says in John chapter 18, his kingdom is not of this world. We're not talking about a kingdom of this world. We're talking about a different kind of kingdom. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about in chapter 18 of John. His kingdom is something else. His kingdom is not the kingdom that we see here in this world. Jesus often used the phrase, the kingdom, right? Read through the Gospels, Matthew to John. As Jesus teaches, as Jesus evangelizes, he's often using this phrase, the kingdom. This was one of the main themes of his teaching. Go through the parables that he gives. One of the main themes is the kingdom of God. And as we see here in our text, when the end comes and he returns, he's going to give this kingdom to his father. The kingdom will finally be established. The work of the kingdom will be over and he will hand over this kingdom to God the Father. And in his own life and ministry, Jesus taught often about this. Read through especially Matthew and Luke. This theme of the kingdom is all through those two gospels. Jesus himself did kingdom work and he preached the message of the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 4 and also Matthew chapter 9, it said Jesus went throughout the villages doing what? Proclaiming the message of the kingdom. So certainly if Jesus focused on the kingdom, did the work of the kingdom, preached the message of the kingdom, certainly his followers, we as Christians in our day and age, should do the same. We should be focusing on the kingdom and doing the work of the kingdom as well. This is a way we could biblically define missions, continuing the work that Jesus began by preaching the gospel of the kingdom throughout the world. That's a biblical way to define missions. Jesus began the work, going from village to village, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, 
Missions is us as his people, as his followers, as the church continuing that work that he began. And certainly focusing on those peoples and places where the gospel hasn't gone. That was Jesus' desire. Where has this message of the kingdom not yet been proclaimed, not yet been announced? Jesus said, we need to get to those villages. So our work remains the same. Where has the gospel not been proclaimed? Where has this kingdom not yet come? Let's go do the work of the kingdom there. Let's go do missions there. So biblical missionaries, we could say, are those who go to the nations announcing the message of the kingdom. That's exactly what Christ did. He came to this earth, and he went from place to to place announcing the message of the kingdom. You see, we have an important message to declare to this world. It's not a political message. It's not an economic message. It doesn't have to do with education and school. We have a message that's much greater. It's the message of the kingdom. That's one of the challenges I want to give you this morning. As we consider all the messages of our day and age, and all you got to do is turn on the news and hear talk and hear messages and agendas. We as the people of God are part of a kingdom and have a message that is much greater. And we as Christ's people need to see that and need to be engaged in this work. We as the people of God need to prioritize this kingdom. If the end, when the end comes and Christ gives this kingdom to God the Father, that's his priority. That's the work that's going on. That's what Christ will do. Certainly, Christians should prioritize the kingdom. What does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6? Seek first the kingdom. Is that your priority? When you live your life, you go to work, you're a family, you come to church, whatever you're doing, you're driving around, you're going to school, whatever it may be. Is the kingdom of God your priority? Not a little kingdom of this earth, not the kingdom of America, not the kingdom of your workplace or your school, but is your priority, is what you live for, is what you focus on, the kingdom of God. Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom. As we consider this kingdom, Every individual in this room, every individual on planet Earth, every individual who has ever existed, we could divide them into two categories in relation to this kingdom. Those who are in the kingdom and those who are outside. You know, again, we live in a day and age where everybody's divided in every other way. The language they speak, the color of their skin, their political party, what country they come from. See, the Bible doesn't divide people to that category. The Bible defines, uh, divides humanity into these two categories, those who are in the kingdom and those who are not. Which kingdom are you part of? Are you in the kingdom of God? As we go to Papua New Guinea, that's one of the things that I mention to the people often. There are two groups of people. It doesn't matter that I come from America that there are different people over in Papua New Guinea, that's irrelevant. All humanity is divided into these two groups, those who belong to the kingdom and those who are not in it. Another clear fact as it relates to this kingdom of God, the clear fact is Christ is king of the kingdom. Again, we live in a day and age when there is leaders, presidents, prime ministers, generals, 
We elevate people. We think of certain people as great, leading the world, controlling the world. But let me tell you this, based on what it says in Scripture. There's a kingdom, and there's one king, and that king is Christ. It says in Zechariah chapter 9, your king is coming to you. A great prophecy in the Old Testament, and it's fulfilled in Matthew chapter 21. Christ comes in as the king. Again, considering Revelation, Revelation 1. Jesus is, it says here, the ruler of the kings of the earth. As we consider this kingdom, when Christ returns and then gives the kingdom to God the Father, well, who's the king? Christ is the king, and he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. In Revelation chapter 19, it says Jesus is the king of kings. So as we think of this kingdom this morning, as we think of how it relates to the end and to the mission, as you are to prioritize this kingdom, Remember that Jesus is the king. He's the Lord. He's the ruler. He's the master. He's the boss of this kingdom. And he decides who's part of his kingdom. He brings people into his kingdom. And he's to be elevated and exalted around the world as the king of this kingdom. Again, we live in a day and age. Everything else is elevated. Everything else is prioritized. We focus on everything else. In our day and age, you go on Facebook, you go on YouTube, you turn the news on, think of different countries around the world, and they're prioritizing everything else, right? How many people are prioritizing Christ, exalting him? He's the king. And one day, as we read here in our text, the end will come and he will hand over the kingdom to God the Father. And he will be seen by all nations as the true king. One of the goals of missions is to declare to the unevangelized peoples of this world that there's no king but Christ. You see, Satan has been busy for thousands of years, deceiving the nations. We see that in the book of Revelation. Trying to convince them there is no king or that Christ is not king. But missions is about going to these nations, telling them about the kingdom and telling them that there is no king but Christ. That's one of the ways we could understand missions. So one of our responses to this, that Christ is king of the kingdom, one of our responses as Christians needs to be obedience to our king as he's given us this commission regarding the kingdom. That needs to be our response. Not just, okay, well, we got some information. But our response needs to be obedience to, submission to this king. And he's given us a mandate. He's given us a mission. How will we respond to that? Certainly, we should respond in obedience and submission to his call. You see, the message of missions is about calling all peoples, all peoples, especially those who have not yet heard, to allegiance with the king of this kingdom. That's what missions is all about. Whether it's going to Papua New Guinea, whether it's going to Africa, or the Middle East, or wherever Christ has not yet been named, and telling them to come to Christ, to come into his kingdom. That's what missions is all about. That's the mission that Christ has given us to do. Because one day that work will be done when the end comes and Christ hands over the kingdom to God the Father. We read in Revelation chapter 1 that Christ has made his people a kingdom. Again, not everybody in this world is part of this kingdom. So the question you need to ask yourself is, am I part of this kingdom? Right? That's that's the one question that you need to ask. 
old, young, man or woman, boy or girl, the one question you need to answer in your life, and obviously other questions relate to this, are you part of this kingdom? In Revelation 1, Jesus has made his people a kingdom. Only those who belong to Jesus are part of this kingdom. In other words, there are many who are not part of this kingdom. Jesus said there's a broad way that leads to destruction, right? In the Gospel of Matthew. And how many people are on that Broadway? How many people are on that way that's not part of the kingdom? Jesus said many. Most of the people in this world, it's a sobering reality, are on the Broadway that leads to destruction. They're on the, the way that does not lead to the kingdom. They're not part of the kingdom. But in Revelation 1, Jesus has made his people into a kingdom. You see, that's the good news of the gospel. You know, we live in a day and so many people say, well, you know, why is Christianity so narrow-minded? And we shouldn't view it that way. We as humanity should be thankful that there is a way. That there is a way to get into the kingdom. That everyone isn't shut out. But that Christ has made a way to bring some people in. So the question you need to ask yourself, are you part of this kingdom? Christ's people are part of the greatest, most extensive kingdom in history. Think of it that way. Right? We think of the great nations, the great kingdoms of this earth, right? Think of guys like Alexander the Great. And you read about his history and all the things that he conquered, all the places, the peoples. He became king of the world. What happened? Fell apart. Went to his generals. Became nothing. Then we think of Rome, right? Think of history and all these great empires like Rome. They conquered the world. You think of America, the greatest nation that ever has been, as some people say it. But let me tell you this. Based on what we read in Scripture, the kingdom here that Jesus is going to hand over to God the Father, we're part of a kingdom as Christians that's the greatest, that's the most extensive, that's a kingdom that will last. We don't need to worry about America in an ultimate sense. There's a kingdom that's greater. Christians should not be living to advance America. And there's a lot of Christians that do. Certainly we should care for our country. But in the ultimate sense, Christians need to be busy doing the work of a different kingdom, the kingdom of God. Unbeliever, you're not a Christian. Don't you want to be part of this kingdom? I don't know all of you specifically in this room. Last time I was here three or four years ago. But I'm sure there's people in this room who are not part of this kingdom. Maybe it's some of you young kids. Maybe it's some of you older folks. Maybe it's visitors, if there's visitors here. Don't you want to be part of this kingdom? We say, you know, I'm a, I'm a citizen of America. You know, like Paul said in the book of Acts, I'm a citizen of Rome. You know, we take pride in those things. What about being a citizen of the kingdom that's eternal, the kingdom of God? If you're not a Christian today, come into the kingdom. Embrace Christ. Believe in him. This is the kingdom that will last forever. The kingdom that will give you life. The kingdom that will give you hope. And that we can live forever as the people of God. Jesus' kingdom is greater than and surpasses the kingdom of this world. That's what it says in Revelation chapter 11. See, there is a kingdom of this world. There are kingdoms of this world. 
but they will be surpassed by the kingdom of God. They will be overshadowed by the kingdom of God. They will be considered as nothing compared to the kingdom of God. So which kingdom do we want to be part of? Which kingdom do we want to be doing work for? That's the challenge for us this morning. Our response should be to do the mission of establishing this kingdom, right? That's what our response should be. There's a kingdom. There's a mission that Christ has given us. There's an end that's coming. So what should our response be? Let's do the work of this kingdom. Let's consider the nations that are lost. All those people in this world who have not yet been brought into this kingdom. All those people in this world who have not yet heard this message of the kingdom. Who have no hope. And we need to be doing the work of this kingdom. It's our responsibility as the people of God to do this work. Nobody else is going to do it. The, the governments of this world, they're not going to do it. The businesses of this world, they're not going to do it. There's one group of people that will do this mission. That's the people of God. If you're part of this kingdom already, if you're a Christian, you are responsible before God and before his people to be engaged in this mission, to do the work of the kingdom. Thankfully, this kingdom is offered extensively to everyone. That's an amazing truth that Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 8. It says, many will come from the east, from the west, to recline at the table. That's the picture that Christ gives there. And then it says after that, in the kingdom of heaven. Many people are going to come from all over the world, from Papua New Guinea, from the Middle East, from every place in this world. Many will come from the east and the west and be part of this kingdom. You see, God has a greater view than just salvation for the Jew. The gospel is is about a message to the nations, inviting all peoples into this kingdom. So we should not have a narrow-minded view of missions, a small view of kingdom work. We should not have a view of missions that's just, well, let's keep bringing the gospel to the same places. I hope that from what you're hearing this morning, from the report I gave earlier, that you would consider especially the places in this world, the peoples in this world that have never yet heard. We need to get the gospel to them. We need to invite them into the kingdom. And thankfully, this kingdom is offered extensively to everyone. Nobody's shut out. There's there's not a people group in this world that God says, okay, don't go to them because they're not invited. That's not the case. Thankfully, we're invited, right? As Christians, thankfully, we've received the invitation and we are part of his kingdom. But we are not to keep it to ourselves, but to bring this message of the kingdom to the nations. Another way that the kingdom relates to missions. Missions is the task of calling all peoples to join this kingdom. That's another way that we could consider missions. Inviting all nations to join this kingdom especially those peoples, those places, those languages, those areas, however you want to put it, especially them who have not yet heard, especially those places where this message of the kingdom has not yet been announced. It's our responsibility to get this message to them. So that's how the kingdom, the end, and the mission are related. Again, as we see here in our text, 1 Corinthians 15, 24, back in verse 23, Christ the first fruits, he's been raised, he's going to come back. And then he'll deliver this kingdom to God the Father. Don't you want your relatives part of this kingdom? 
Don't you want your coworkers part of this kingdom? Don't you want your children part of this kingdom? Don't you want the nations who have not yet heard to be part of this kingdom? There are brothers and sisters in Christ who are out there in the world. It's our responsibility to bring this message of the kingdom to them and to invite them in. That's the work that Jesus did. That's the work he's given us to do and to continue. That's what missions is all about. A purpose of missions, therefore, is to go to those peoples who have not yet heard the gospel message and call them to enter into the kingdom. That's why we're in Mocha. That's why we evangelize those other villages. They're not part of the kingdom. They're still outside. And we're there to invite them into this kingdom of God, to tell them there's a kingdom. You see, they've been deceived for thousands of years from the devil, just like many Americans as well. And we go to announce to them a message that brings life, a message that brings hope. And we tell them, come into God's kingdom. You can be delivered. You can be saved from your sin. That's the message for us. That's the message for them. And that's what the work of missions is all about. Well, how do these peoples, how do people in the world get into the kingdom? Jesus tells us, as, as I mentioned in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, this theme of the kingdom is all throughout those pages in Jesus' ministry. And he says it twice in Matthew chapter 3 and also in Matthew chapter 4. How do you get into the kingdom? And Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. How does a sinner come into the kingdom? How do they become a member of this kingdom? Jesus says one word, and he tells the world to repent, to turn away from their sin, to turn away from the kingdom of this world, we could put it, and come into the kingdom of Christ. That's where repentance is. Recognizing that the things of this world, the things of our lives, the the things of sin will not save us, will not give us life. And Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Missions is about obeying Jesus' call to go proclaim to the entire world, as it says in Matthew 10, the kingdom of heaven is here. In an ultimate sense, on that last day when Christ returns, as we see here in our text in 1 Corinthians 15, the kingdom will be complete. The kingdom will be handed over to God the Father. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, the kingdom is already here. In other words, the kingdom work has already begun. People are already being brought into the kingdom. If you're a Christian, you've already come into the kingdom. And missions is about calling the rest of the world to join the kingdom, to come in, to repent, because the kingdom of heaven is here. These are the words of Christ, and this is the work that he began. This is the work we must continue. And this is how the mission and the kingdom are related as we see the end approaching. So how should you respond? How should we respond? Not just as another message, well, okay, we learned some stuff from 1 Corinthians 15.24. I want you to go home today and throughout this week and con- to consider these themes. The end, the kingdom, the mission. How should you respond? Pray about it. As a family, pray about it. As a church, pray about it. Lord, how should we respond to this? How should we do more work for the kingdom? How should we prioritize the kingdom in my life individually, in our life as a family, as our life as a church? So that when the world looks at you, when the other churches of this community look at you, they say, you know what? That's a church that prioritizes the kingdom. That's a church that's busy doing kingdom work and seeking to get the lost into 
this kingdom? How should you respond? Shouldn't we be more dedicated and devoted to the mission of the kingdom? Shouldn't we? I mean, that, that's the clear response, right? If these things are true, if the scripture is true about the kingdom, and that Christ is returning, the end is coming, the kingdom's going to be handed over to God the Father, shouldn't we be more dedicated? Shouldn't we be more committed, more devoted? Shouldn't we be giving more time, more effort to this kingdom? You know, little things pop up in our culture all the time, in our society, in this country, and people jump on the bandwagon, they jump on the cause, they start spreading news on on social media. And some of those things have their place. How should we respond to the work of the kingdom? When the end does come, when Christ returns and you see him and he sees you, and he questions you, how, how did you do the work of the kingdom? How were you engaged in it? We're not going to have a second chance, right? Especially you older generation, those who are closer to Christ, closer to death. Our lives are very short. And you older generation would certainly be quick to, t- to say that. Our lives are a mist. Our lives are a drop in a bucket. And only what we do for the kingdom is going to last. How should we respond to what we have heard here in this message? And when all the work of missions is done in the world, then Jesus will deliver the kingdom to God the Father. That's going to be an amazing day. Christ will come back. We see that here in in 1 Corinthians 15. He will return, and all of his people will be with him, and he'll hand over the kingdom to God the Father. Will you be part of that kingdom? Will those nations in the Middle East, in China, in South America, will they be part of the kingdom because of your work? That's another way to consider this. Or will we get to heaven and say, well, you know, I made it to heaven, but I brought nobody with me. That's the challenge for you this morning. To be more deliberate and dedicated and devoted to the work of this kingdom. See, this is the, the point of this short text here in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty four. The end will come. Christ will hand over or deliver the kingdom to God the Father. So our desire should be as Christians... Our desire should be to complete the work. Right? That missions is not going to go on forever. Some Christians live that way. Like, we'll just, we'll just keep doing missions and evangelizing, and it'll never end. That's not true. One day, the work will be done. That's why Jesus said what he did in, Ma- uh, that's why Jesus said what he did in Matthew chapter 28. I'll be with you till the end. The work's going to be completed. Missions will one day be done. And our desire should be to complete this work. One of the main purposes, not the only, one of the main purposes of your life, if you're a Christian, is to be part of this work. And to desire that this work would be complete. That the nations would be brought into this kingdom. In other words, proclaiming the message of the kingdom to the nations. Especially those peoples who have not yet heard. You see, the work won't be done until the nations have hurt. Now let me give you an, an example, an illustration. Think of World War II. I like, I like to give this illustration because it, it gives us a real-life example. Think of World War II, and especially the older generation are more familiar. You know, think of D-Day. The Allies are going into Europe. 
D-Day successful. They get into France. They get back onto the mainland. And what if after that they said, you know what? We got here to Europe. Good enough. Would the war have ended? No, of course not. They had to finish the work, right? And that's the way a lot of Christians sometimes consider missions. Well, you know, we've gotten this far. We've done this much. Good enough. And I want to challenge you this morning from what we see in Scripture. It's clear in Jesus' teaching, in the epistles, and in the Old Testament that this message of the kingdom is to go to all peoples, to go to the nations. Not just some of them, but all of them. Right? Christ didn't die on the cross to save some people groups. Christ died on the cross to save his people from all people groups. Again, going back to World War II, they get into Germany, they conquer Germany, they get Hitler. Was that the end of the war? They, well, you know, Japan's still out there, you know, but we'll just ignore them. Hopefully the war will end somehow. That wouldn't happen. They had to continue the work of the war. They had to finish it. They had to completely conquer. And really, that's what missions is all about. Going to the nations, the nations being conquered through the gospel. That's one thing that John Calvin said that I love when it comes to missions. Going to the nations and conquering. That's missions. But the work won't be done. We won't have conquered the earth, if we could think of it that way, until we've gone to all the nations. So this should be our desire. Now, this, this is the challenge for you as a church this morning. Maybe you don't hear a lot about this type of missions work. Maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've heard of some of these things, and I want to challenge you this morning as we consider this one text. There's many texts I could have chosen. But certainly the theme of the kingdom is through, all throughout the scripture, right? As we consider the end and this work that Christ has given. So in conclusion, we have seen from Scripture here, especially in our text, but from other things I mentioned from the Scriptures, we've seen from Scripture that one main biblical purpose or reason for the death of Christ is establishing this kingdom. Right, we've seen that. We know that. We believe that as Christians. His kingdom is going to come. That's the way he taught us to pray. As we have the Lord's Supper this morning, as you, as a Christian, Partake of the bread, partake of the cup. And you think of the death of Christ. You think of him on the cross. Why did Christ die? And we could write a, a long list. One of the reasons that I've emphasized this morning in the preaching is that his kingdom would come. You've been brought into that kingdom as a Christian. If you're a believer in Christ, you're part of that kingdom. Now I want to challenge you to consider that others would be brought in as well, especially those peoples and places that have not yet heard. We've heard that this relates to missions because it's through missions that Jesus establishes his kingdom. See, God doesn't just establish his kingdom without us. He doesn't do it that way. Christ said, as the Father sent me, I send you. The kingdom is established through our work. That's what missions is. And so we see how the mission, the kingdom, and the end are related. We've been reminded that one primary goal of missions is for Christ's kingdom to be established throughout the earth by preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's a purpose of missions. Sometimes we have a very low view of missions. You know, well, let's just go over there and, you know, help the people medically and, you know, hand out some tracts. We, we should have a high view of missions. 
we should be reminded of the kingdom of God that's at stake. And there are those who are part of the kingdom of the devil. We also saw from our text here in 1 Corinthians 15, 24, that the end is coming. And I hope that spurs you on to be proactive to do the mission. The end is coming. How often do we think of that? You know, the end is coming. Christ is coming. It should cause us to be more proactive and deliberate about the work of the mission, the end in the kingdom. So again, the question is, how will you respond? You know, that, that's where preaching applies to us, right? That's where the rubber hits the road. We hear God's word, and you hear good preaching from your pastor each week. Again, the challenge, how will you respond? Christians should receive God's word, and I appreciated Ed's prayer this morning already. How should we respond, right? And this perhaps may be a new way as you consider missions this morning as a church. How will you respond as it relates directly to the work of the kingdom and to the work of missions? Won't you do more for this mission as we see the end approaching and the kingdom being completed? Jesus has died. Here's my final statement. Jesus has died to save his people from all the peoples of this globe. That's a truth. He has called us to the mission of proclaiming the gospel to all the peoples. Not just the peoples that have already heard. In order that his kingdom would be established. See, we could be co-workers with Christ, as Paul put it, of doing kingdom work. And when the work of the mission is completed, then the end will come. And Christ will hand over the kingdom to God the Father. Will you have investment in that kingdom? Will you be part of that kingdom? This is what missions is all about. So let's do it. Father, we thank you for your word. As we considered this one point from 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty four. Father, send your spirit to work in our hearts and in our minds that we would understand these topics better, that we would believe the truth of the mission the end, and the kingdom. Holy Spirit, be at work in each one of us individually, and be at work in this church, that they would have a stronger passion and commitment to the work of your kingdom, and that we would all be busy as we consider the end that is coming. So hear our prayer and bless your word, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.